Hello, and welcome back to Backlist and Chill. I am Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Cinna from Ohio. And here at Backlist and Chill, we read old young adult books Mm -hmm. of an author's backlist, hence the title. Mm -hmm. And then we come together and we rant about them while drinking booze, because Mm -hmm. sometimes you really need it. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes no time in particular just sometimes definitely, definitely only sometimes like this mm-hmm. episode <laughs> spoilers <laughs> we are talking about the final book in Yay. the secret circle trilogy by lj smith this one's i'm not gonna say useless title but <laughs> this one's kind of nondescript title is yeah. the power yeah, I would say that between the initiation, the captive, and the power, this one's useless description is the most useless of the three. Sure. This could totally be a Vampire Diaries title, especially because the villain in that one was called the power for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I've mm. forgotten about that. In better days. Somehow. Yeah. S- somehow. <laughs> somehow. But I'm still not missing Elena fucking Gilbert, so. No. We never miss Elena fucking Gilbert, and neither should you. Correct. So, uh, if you're new to Backlist and Chill, uh, like I said, I'm Ollie, and uh, you'll notice I like to drink absinthe, because that's pretty much all I can ever keep in the house. I Mm -hmm. hate to go to the alcohol store even before the coronavirus, but I'm running low. Next time might be my last bottle, and Uh and then... I'll have to open my second bottle. Ha 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 ha. Oh, I was going to say you're going to have to venture out, but no, you were prepared. I was prepared. So, uh, we are drinking my my favorite mix here of absente absinthe, sugar water, and lime juice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a shattered mirror. I made it during season two. Now that I've described my drink is delicious, what's yours? So... I wanted to find, because this this book centers so completely around the silver cord. I was like, "Hmm, hey, Google, does a drink called the silver cord exist? And no, it does not. But after a little bit of poking around, I I found a recipe that is supposed to produce a silver drink. Oh, you told me. That's right. Yes. It's like a wedding punch. And it was originally non-alcoholic, but... It's got fucking purple box jello in it. It's got a can of lemonade concentrate in it. It's got an entire bottle of pineapple juice in it. Mm. It's got almond flavoring for reasons I can't really understand right now. Mm. It has, you're supposed to put like water in it. Oh shit, maybe that's what I didn't do. (gasps) (laughs) Did you not put water in it? I didn't put water in it. I just dumped my ginger ale in it. Maybe that's what's supposed to, I'll be right back. Okay. We'll have a little hold music. Okay, the answer is no. <laughs> it does not make a difference. Oh, that was disappointing. I thought I thought maybe because they made it they made obviously a bigger batch because it was supposed to be a punch for a whole bunch of people. So I had to cut down the recipe and use different quantities. So maybe Mm. that's why it didn't quite turn out the right color. But instead of the silver that they said that it would turn, it's cloudy dishwater. (laughs) (laughs) I can't I so you sent you like sh- you posted the pictures and then you were laughing and you were like wah 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 it's so funny and I was like okay you know expecting it to be silly but like 
it really is the best thing I've seen. Because <laughs> it looks so glamorous, right? In the, is that a martini glass? Mm-hmm. It looks so glamorous and it's on the shelf and it's with the book. And then it's like in the fucking kitchen on a paper towel looking <laughs> like dishwater. <laughs> just like. The cheap vodka behind it. And like just this big old yeah. lump of gray purple sludge right in the middle. It was fuzzy, fuzzy foam at the top. I guess not fuzzy, but foam at the top. <laughs> so funny. So funny. Here's me on my way out, guys. Like Instagram me in the morning. versus like. <laughs> fucking facebook (laughs) so it's another failed experiment and if i were smarter i would have actually checked to see if we had silver rum so that i had a more justifiable reason for calling it a silver cord Uh, but now it's just a complete failure with some shitty cheap vodka in there so you know what i tried i mean i feel like it's appropriate for this (laughs) book which is also uh, a shitty failed experiment We'll just call it the power. How about that? (laughs) But how does it taste? So I guess that's the real question. Because it's what? Pineapple and lemon, vodka, or rum? Is it rum? Uh, No, I ended up throwing some crappy vodka in there. But like, you would think that because there's so much like citrus in there. Yeah. But the overwhelming dominant flavor is artificial grape. Oh, no. It's not good. Well, you know what? I'm going to go with, again, (laughs) this book had some really artificial shit thrown on top of it, especially (laughs) right at the end there. So, uh, you've made the perfect Secret Circle book three drink. I love that. All right. So we know what we're talking about and we know what we're drinking. Are you ready to hear this ridiculous blurb? Lay it on me. All right. The Power. The Secret Circle number three by L.J. Smith. In so deadly a battle, is the opening line, and Mm -hmm, it it ends later, but we've got three paragraphs in between. Anyway, united at last with Diana, the mistress of her coven, Cassie must first sacrifice her love for Adam to save the secret circle and the town of New Salem from the evil powers of the witch Fae. Threatened by the possibility of her destruction in a final battle between good and evil, Cassie must hope that her supernatural gifts are strong enough to obliterate the powers of evil. If victorious, Cassie will win more than she ever dreamed, but if she and Diana fail, the power will go to those who seek only to destroy. Can anyone triumph? So it's supposed to be in a deadly battle, can anyone triumph? The fuck is that? I I don't think it gave away anything because I don't think it had anything to do with the book. No, that's... Right? What book is that? I didn't read it, nor would I want to read that. I don't understand why you're smokescreening who the bad guy is, because by the time you get to this book, you know. Yeah, right? It's not like you were in book one being like, Black John! That's strange. Is that the back of your omnibus? Maybe that's No, that that's off the initial cover. Interesting. It looks like. What a choice. Omnibus... Caught in the struggle between good and evil, will she sacrifice her love for the circle to survive? Cassie has joined the most alluring and deadly in-crowd imaginable, but power comes with a price, and it's more dangerous than she knows. Torn between the dueling desires of the two leaders of the secret circle, she must ultimately choose between saving all of New Salem and her own dangerous love for the bewitching Adam, which threatens to tear the circle apart. In the ultimate battle between good and evil, will Cassie's supernatural powers be strong enough to lead the coven out of danger, or will she fall prey to the dark forces within? Okay, so that did give away some stuff, and I'm glad I didn't read it. 
Yeah, it's a little it's a little closer. I mean, as a, a synthesis of books half of two and three. <laughs> yeah. But like the two leaders of the circle, like that feels weird to say her leading the circle. That only comes in the last like three, four mm-hmm. chapters. Like It's interesting that they keep keep harping on how Adam her love for Adam is going to s- destroy the circle, but it never never really comes to that. No, not even not even at the beginning of this one, which opens with that. Mm-hmm. With Faye being na 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 <laughs> Just like that. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. <laughs> oh, good times. You want to talk about the cover? I think I talked about it last time, but sure. I have the omnibus, and it basically looks like fucking Damon Salvatore on the cover here. With his dark hair, it's got a little bit of a red sheen. It's more of a mahogany color than the ginger that I expect Adam to be. The eye is kind of gray-green, as opposed to, I think he has just He has gray-blue. Gray-blue? Well, they color shift, like every L.J. Smith hero. Yeah. He's got, like, matte lipstick on that make him look kind of undead, which is why he feels like Damon Salvatore. (laughs) And then, honestly, my book smells kind of smoky. Oh, nice. Maybe the book caught itself on fire when I wasn't looking. (laughs) How about your cover? Uh, so I actually had a paper copy of the 1999 cover. Yeah. So this one is a kind of orange to black to orange gradient. Mm -hmm. It has the power up at the top in a white, thick, not really attractive font, honestly. Uh, and then down at the bottom in similar blocky font, it says LJ Smith, author of the best-selling Vampire Diaries. Wow. The secret circle is in there in yellow with a black drop shadow. It's not the best title treatment. I think I like the original one better. It looks kind of spoopy, though. Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. They did a real chop job on the original cover for this one, though. Yeah. They took the original illustration of the group of kids behind the fire. And this one features Adam holding Cassie with Faye and Diana and two other people, probably Nick and somebody else. They're floating heads kind of around them. This one takes that picture and it shrinks it down. Yeah. And it puts it inside an orange circle and it does a really bad, like, feathered edge and it just looks real terrible and it's a real shame and kind of a disgrace to the original illustration which wasn't great but was better than this but was on it like honestly i loved the the first one's cover so much it's just an overall better cover design yeah but these covers are still infinitely better than some other ones that i could name but won't (laughs) all right so Mm -hmm. this book I'm going to see if I can do the rough plot this time so that we can just talk about stuff because Sina and Ollie Stop Talking Challenge, Secret Circle Book 3, 2020. Uh-huh. uh-huh, okay. Okay, so this book covers from when Faye attempts to out Adam and Cassie and Diana is just like, wah, 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 I forgive you. And, oh wow, I'm feeling the absence. This is going to be great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, then just them, like, fucking doing nothing like that's what happens in this book nothing happens they waste a lot of time uh cassie's grandmother is dead so they have a funeral for her where black john like instantly fucking outs himself by approaching cassie he didn't have to do that 
he approaches Cassie and Cassie's like, LMG, he's wearing a ring of hematite. Wah! And she passes out and everyone's like, yeah, no, we got that. We saw it. I do love that. She wakes up. She's like, guys, Black John is the principal. And they're like, we know. We know, Cassie. We all have eyeballs, too. <laughs> I like that, though. I appreciate that Cassie was Cassandra on that one. Right? Like, thank you for not needing her to be the only one. Because you know how much I hate when people are like, I have important information. Oh, let's make out instead. <laughs> or for this being her spending half the book being like, guys, he's Black John for serious. And then being like, no, nah, sure. He couldn't be. So he's shown up and insinuated himself as the new principal. And Faye has decided that she is going to be his little... They call it, like, his, his gal Friday, his secretary, and we watch as Faye goes from being a tigress to a kitten. <laughs> and, like, she's wearing her hair. And honestly, she sounds she sounds nicely dressed, you know? Mm-hmm. She's got her hair all up. She's wearing business suits. But she's also a freaking teenager doing right. this man's work, and he has a goddamn secretary who gets paid to do this shit. So, like, <laughs> She's you. a secretary for which things? Yeah. Jack, what was it? Brunswick? Brunswick. Yeah. Which, lol, thanks for, like, telling us that's a joke, haha, Brunswick's a type of black paint. I love Jack that. Is short for John. I remember there's this a distinct scene in Forbidden Game where she's like, oh god, he calls himself Julian for gin. Do you get it? You're like, thank you. I love when you lampshade this. <laughs> I love when you just explain your clever wordplay. I, as a fan, would never want to look this shit up on my own and go, gosh, my mind is blown. Nope. You have to know. It's like fucking Remus Lupin. I wonder what you are. <laughs> You're, because you named yourself Werewolf McWerewolf. <laughs> nah, you ain't the werewolf. <laughs> so Black John is there and he's the principal and I don't know at what point it comes out, but like I definitely was starting to get the feeling last book that Cassie's dad was going to be an important part in these things. But the fact that the old ladies were like, so they go to visit the crones because they're like, we should probably talk to those three old ladies before John fucking murders them since we know he has no problem murdering people. Right, because they're the only possible source left of exposition. Because all the adults in the generation above us are freaking not talking about anything like they this book does such a disservice to that generation Mm -hmm. like just being like they're cowards they're nothing they're non-entities they never even show up right they at no point like we don't see anybody's parent except for cassie's mom Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think we maybe see diana's dad in the background sometimes but like they basically don't exist they might as well be outsiders yeah he had like one scene in book one and that was literally it for the adults exactly we've never seen anybody else so when the when i think adam's grandmother was like oh cassie you don't look like your mother at all i'm like oh god black john's your dad is that when you got it (laughs) yeah lovely i'm like this is great because the other one was like I don't know, her name's not Mildred, but like, Mildred! (laughs) (laughs) What? I was just gonna say I see her mother in her expression. (laughs) I love how Adam's grandmother is basically like, you roll the dice and you get random NPC information from her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, she's not always there all the time, but sometimes she says meaningful shit. And you're like, convenient. Well, yeah, Adam says she's not there all the time, but literally every time she talks, it's some important exposition information. Right, which means I think Adam just isn't listening to his grandmother. I mean, which fair. Like, Cassie didn't want to listen to hers either. Right? 
Exactly. So, yeah, I've realized at that point that uh, Black John is her dad and not, like, two fucking scenes later. Faye's like, guess who your dad is? <laughs> Kelsey's like, I'm gonna die. Because his name was Blake. His name was John Blake. At least you didn't have to live with that information for too long. I, I was very glad. But, like, again, it comes back to the whole <gasps> Black John, John Blake, Jack Brunswick. I'm like, dude, you're basically a fucking Batman villain. <laughs> Please catch me. I am your new principal, Jack Brunswick. Mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> so good. I love it. Meanwhile, Batman's just like trying to get across the bridge to the island. He's like, no, listen, I'll pay the toll later. Just let me through. I don't have cash on me because I'm very rich and I only have credit cards. <laughs> you don't take credit cards? It's 1992? Shit. <laughs> Mr. Wayne, you're going to need to go back now. <laughs> Then he just tries to like swing across it like he does in Gotham from rooftop to rooftop, <laughs> but it's just a long bridge over an ocean, so he's kind of oh fucked. God. So he's ninjaing his way across. <laughs> dodge roll, dodge roll. <laughs> so they realize Black John is is this dude. Uh, I don't know. Somewhere in there, the the gals have a ritual on Hecate night because Grandma suggested it, which is like just the full moon. And they're like, let's get Faye together, too. And they have a nice little thing. And it's all, like, women power. Sure, fine, whatever. (laughs) Oh, wait, there is one thing that I thought was not important, but needs to somehow be important. Mm -hmm. Diana is like, oh, I also want to give this gift to Cassie. It's just a little thing. It's just a little trust festival ritual. And she gives her this box and is like, go bury it, but don't open it. That's it? That's the that's the ritual? Yep, just go bury it and don't open it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, whatever. And it never comes back up, and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it does. It does come back up, but, like, you know, it doesn't come back for a while. No, no, it's just a plot seed that'll sprout <sighs> later. No, into a terrible twisted tree. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Cassie and Nick decide to start trying to date in the most, like... All right, so you messaged me, and you were like, oh, gosh, they do a map to Nick and I was very sad for Nick because he's a good boy but like it definitely is Nick being like I know you're only ever gonna love Adam but why not why not just try it and I'm like yeah why not you're teenagers why not just try it you Mm -hmm. could just hang out and have a good time except that because this is an LJ Smith book Nick is only there literally to emotionally support Cassie and be like kind of in opposition of Adam and have Adam be like well, is he even there? You don't even think he deserves that spot. And you're like, I know you're talking about Nick. Like, <laughs> you're very transparent on this. And sure, it would have slowed down the book, but it would have been nice in the, like, two or three, eh, maybe even four weeks that she's dating Nick. Did they do anything other than have him be there to comfort her as a replacement for Adam? Yeah. That was doing Nick dirty in my mind. I I will also say that that is still the most one-on-one interaction that Cassie has with the boy. Mm -hmm. So I was still more invested in her relationship with Nick than I ever was with hers with Adam. Hell yeah, I think her and Nick could have been fine together. This whole soulmates thing is absolute bullshit. Like, Nick was like, I like you, and I'm not like, (gasps) utterly in love with you, but I think you're cool, and it would be nice. Like, you asked me out to the dance. That kind of never has happened before, so Mm -hmm. he was willing to give it a try. Right, and then Cassie had that cute scene where she was, like, giving him the dirty eye because he was smoking, and then he was like, huh, 
yeah, I should probably not do this anymore. Right. Like He's they were like, cute. I am a senior in high school. I should stop smoking. Because <laughs> they were they were cute with each other. They actually had interactions. I feel like they had a goddamn friendship. Mm-hmm. He had taken her to the Halloween dance. Like there was history there for a couple of weeks between them, as opposed to I literally met you on the beach <laughs> and obsessed about you all summer. Yeah, uh, I felt real bad for Nick. He did that LJ Smith thing where it's like, oh, this girl is thawing this icy young mm. man. And yeah, except that he was never icy. He just was kind of like weird. Yeah, he just didn't interact with people that much. And I, and you we know, find out why, because he's like, my parents are both dead and I feel like a fucking burden. I Yeah, right. He got fucking a little bit of character development. Yeah, we're proud of him. It's just sad because you can clearly see that he's getting attached to Cassie. And yeah. Cassie is just like, well, you're not my soulmate, so. This <laughs> sucks to be you. I mean, and as I, I, I know I mentioned at one point, there has never been a book that I have read where so clearly everyone's relationship problems would all be solved with polyamory. <laughs> like, most books the problem would be solved. Most L.J. Smith books the problems would be solved. Mm -hmm. But this one is literally just Cassie could enjoy her time hanging out with Nick. She could still go on dates and have fun with Nick. And she's absolutely in love with Diana, and Diana is in love with her. Mm -hmm. And for some stupid reason, Cassie and Adam like each other, even though they've had no interaction. And Deborah likes Cassie, and Cassie likes Deborah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that was so clear for me, at least in this book, was that everybody was in love with Cassie. Yep. Like everybody. Or at least Sean, Adam, Diana. And brothers. Well, that is true. They do. They were all kind of hung up on Cassie, which yeah, literally I mean, every boy who's ever interacted with Cassie in this book. Which I mean, fair. If you're on a very small island, you've been there your whole life and some shiny new girl comes in, you're probably oh, yeah. going to get hung up on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, give them time. I feel like all of them could have liked Cassie and then they'll calm down. But it definitely, there's a scene where Sally, one of the gals uh, whose boyfriend died last book, is talking to, oh, by the way, Portia shows back up. And that was extremely good to me. Yeah. Uh, Portia shows back up because her family's moved here and they're hunting witches. And fucking Cassie overhears Sally telling Portia about Cassie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I loved that scene because Sally was just like... All the boys like her and she doesn't, you know, she acts like she's so innocent and all she has to do is bat her little eyes and she's really plain looking. But then like after five seconds, you realize she's not. <laughs> I do love that. I love how I love how LJ Smith was able to get in like, oh, Cassie's so pretty. Look how pretty she is without Cassie doing it to herself. But it's still very clearly there to be like, look how pretty this heroine is. She's so yeah. pretty. Everybody loves her. All the boys think she's so cute mm -hmm. it's again going back to elena where elena knows she's hot and that makes her insufferable <laughs> which is not an inherent trait like knowing that you're hot and acting that way does not inherently make you insufferable it made right. elena insufferable because of the way yes. she was written yeah yeah because because diana clearly also knows that she's very hot but she's never acting like i'm hot therefore you should do everything i say Right. Diana's thing is not entitlement. Yeah. It's more like Faye, where Faye's like, I'm hot and you should do what I say. And yet somehow she was the protagonist of Vampire Diaries. Right. Because in this one, at least Faye is the bad guy. So you're not supposed to like her. Yeah. And all the guys didn't like Faye was the weird thing. They all knew she was hot. 
Right. But they were, they were scared terrified of her. Of her. <laughs> Which, you know what? Clap, clap, clap. Good job, yeah. Faye. I mean, aside from the fact that Faye is a magical rapist, which we can never forget. Never forget that part, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Faye is awful and it does not absolve her from any of that shit, but it is nice to have an antagonist that is a gal being like, I'm hot and I know it. You're going to have so much fun when we get to Night World because a lot of this stuff gets recycled into one book instead of three. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. <laughs> oh, where am I? I forget. Let's just go with Time passes, and Nick and Cassie <laughs> break up, and Black John is knowing things he shouldn't know, and they realize that it's not Faye who they thought, it was Sean, because Black John can control people who wear hematite. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so they, like, have to keep information away from Sean and Faye. Wait, can we talk about how LJ wanted to have her cake and eat it too with that one where we spent the last three books being like is it the dark spirit is it one of us is it an outsider and in the last book we had come to the correct conclusion that it was black john yeah but now in the last minute of this one we're being like oh no 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 also it was sean yeah it was also one of us i really hated that and like okay fine. Black John wasn't human body shaped, so therefore he needed a different human body shape. Except that he didn't, because it's magic, and he could have I just know. done that stuff with magic. This just is 100%. Magic to push the boulder. This is unnecessary, and I feel yeah. like it's just in there to have yet another twist. Yeah, to be like, oh, and now the Henderson brothers are upset. Like, there's a lot of loose ends left here, where mm-hmm. it's like, at some point, the Henderson brothers, who are shown to be loose cannons, they're going to be like, you know what, Sean, you don't remember it, but we need to take it out on you. Mm-hmm. How are they ever going to feel? Like, I'm glad that the, the brothers are always upset for Corey. I'm glad Corey doesn't just disappear as a piece of the, the shit that happened because it's only been like two months right. since their freaking little sister died. Right. But it's it's emotional leverage that never gets used. Yeah. Like there's, they have one scene with Sean where they're like really mad at him and they want to beat him up. And then like Deborah and Adam hold them back. Yeah. And then like the next scene with Sean, they, they're just like, okay with him again because it wasn't his fault. Yeah. It's like, no, you need therapy. <laughs> or you need to have inner circle tension. Like if LJ, if you are going to have this guy have physically killed people with his tiny skinny little hands, yeah. then... You need to have consequences. Just let it be tense. Like, at the end, they're all still together, and it would have been really... I mean, spoilers, but whatever. Uh, It would have been fine to be like, Faye, you're out. We cannot trust you. Yeah. And Sean, we've got some tension here, and you need to you need to work through this stuff. Except that, like, I, I can't fault Sean. He's, it's literally not his fault, but if the Henderson brothers want to be pissed at him, it's their right. Well, it's not Sean's fault, but also Sean did it so sean's gonna have to grapple with that right of being like my body was used like that's a fucking violation right there are books that center around somebody dealing with that and that's a huge emotional conflict and here it's just a throwaway last minute speed bump yeah like he doesn't even remember it i would love not love it'd be sad still but like it'd have been nice to have him be like oh my god you broke the spell by taking the hematite away from me and now i remember everything like for people who've watched jessica jones like her entire first arc is trying to deal with the fact that like she's killed people for for this man who tells you to do something and you do it Mm -hmm. she's dealing with the fact that like i couldn't stop it and it's like well you couldn't stop it no one can stop it 
But, like, Sean doesn't have to deal with that. He's just like, what? I don't remember. And it's like, please let us have any kind of tension. Or don't have it at all. Yeah, I mean, just don't have it at all. It'd be great. Yeah. There was no need for it. It just took up space. Maybe that's why she had it. Maybe. I I do feel like it was the thing where she's like, I just need more revelations. As if there weren't enough already. Mm-hmm. Right, so they've got Sean. They're going to do a ritual. There's going to be, like, a full moon with an eclipse. Which I didn't have enough time to go searching. <laughs> Thank Just God. want you to know that I didn't have enough time to go searching if there was a full moon eclipse in the year of whatever. Also, you didn't give enough fucks. I didn't give enough fucks. You can tell how many fucks I did not give about this book by how little information I went looking for. Uh, so it's like, what, 1993 full moon eclipse? 1992. Okay. I was just assuming that Cassie was 17. Nope, 1982. God, she's 16, going on 17, and doesn't have a fucking life ahead of her because she's fucking connected to Adam. Oh, I'm gonna go with good fucking job, LJ Smith. A total eclipse of the moon occurred on Wednesday, December 9th, 1992. Oh, wow. However, the time is incorrect with the maximum eclipse at 1144. The moon was plunged into darkness for one hour and 14 minutes in a deep total eclipse. But an eclipse lasts for several hours, and it would have started at around 6.30. I wonder if um, that was, like, something that was in the news, and LJ was like, ooh, I'm going to use this in my book. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Good job. Good job, LJ Smith, on one thing. You are only off by a couple hours. I'll allow it. Does this bump this up another star for you? It only bumps L.J. Smith as an author <laughs> off slightly because she has continued to, to do good research on when things happened. And I like that. But it does not bump this book up. This book goes in the recycling bin. I do love that. that if somebody wants to score extra points with Ollie, they can be accurate with their information. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll at least let me respect you a small. <laughs> All right. So it's the full moon eclipse, and uh, oh, frick, somewhere in there they found the master tools because Cassie's having dreams, and I hate that bullshit. I hate when dreams are telling a story and you can, like, go back to the story to see the next part of it. Mm-hmm. It's just wild to me. It's such lazy storytelling. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you have just had a dream that's prophetic where you found information and then you're reading the book. Like, this was okay to me in the Wicca books Mm -hmm. because they were literally just diary entries. So, of course, we couldn't get all the information right away. But freaking Cassie being like, wait, no, the dream was trying to tell me something. Black John drowned. Oh, Jacinth and Kate overheard their parents talking about where they hid the master tools. Oh, my God. Yeah, that doesn't ever come back up, at least in Sweep, which, again, does kind of use a parallel device. At least that's a story being told. Yeah. It's not here. Here is literally two scenes that are there to give Cassie information, and then that's it. That she it would never have otherwise. Again. Yeah. It's lazy. I disapprove. But <laughs> it helps them get the master tools, which were hidden in Cassie's grandmother's fireplace the whole time. And I will give LJ credit for the fact that She did seed a lot of the information in book one. Not that you ever would have guessed it, but like when we see the fireplace, when we see the house, when we see how like, oh, different areas, you know, seem newer. The fireplace has a chunk that looks newer, things like that. Like 
I imagine that reading book three and then rereading book one, it would be like, oh yeah, look at that. You did put all of this information there. Good job. You clearly wrote these all at once. Yeah, there are a couple of places where she did that and I fucking made a note of it, but now I don't know where it is. But it's like, (laughs) yeah, you set this, you set this up and I don't like it, but at least you set it up. Good job. Yeah. 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 It's like, I don't have to approve that you did this thing, but at least it didn't come out of nowhere. Like, at least I can tell that this was the plan the whole time. Yes, definitely. Definitely. All right. So now they've got the master tools and Cassie's like, Faye, come join us because, you know, you should be having the master tools because you're the leader of the coven. (laughs) Haha. But there's a hurricane coming and Black John is controlling it. And somewhere in there, Cassie got kidnapped by the witch hunters. And it was just, I hate this book. Mm -hmm. So anyway, let's just skip ahead to the moon in Black John's friggin' house at lot 13, everybody. At the top of the hill over the the cliffs fucking appears for a couple hours. because of the goddamn blood moon there there are a lot of touches like that in this where lj is pulling in her horror shit like you can see the outline of the skull in black john's head and the ghost house and at one point cassie has a meeting with black john he literally just has the crystal skull on his face and cassie freaks out yeah there's so many good little horror touches and like that is why i love reading lj smith for mm-hmm. the horror like i was definitely reading this book uh before we came here to talk about it and i'm lying on my bed and i was actually like oh my god my stomach feels really Ugh. oh no <laughs> <laughs> reading this one, like it's so creepy so like she does really good horror imagery i enjoy that she pulls that in even in books where that's not the thing yeah, yeah, like it's definitely something she enjoys and i i am so sad for her as a person that she didn't get to keep writing uh, because of all the shit that happened in her life. I think mm-hmm. we could have seen some really, really interesting horror come out of her brain, you know? Yep. I think it's relevant to note that Forbidden Game itself is a point horror title. Oh, very nice. So that's probably why it's extra creepy. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to the night world to see where her, her what is it, soulmate bullshit mm-hmm. meets with horror. Yes. Because that, that world always has, like, I've had friends who loved it. And I'm like, okay, sounds cool. But now that I know her style, like, I look forward to it. Where it's sure. like, I get it. You, you do stupid bullshit with soulmates, but let's get that horror. Yes. Yeah, so we've got this ghost house and Cassie's like, I have to go in alone because he's my daddy. They don't want to let her, but they've, oh, they voted Cassie in because in a yes. time of emergency, if the coven leader isn't there, we can do a vote. Right, because Faye is defected. Yes, she has. So they want to stop Black John from having this hurricane come, and Cassie's been voted in, and she gets to wear all the master tools, which are a circlet on her head, a diadem, and a bracelet on her upper arm and a garter a leather garter with seven silver buckles which other people always put on her and diana and i get very creeped out uh right like the girls step forward and like put them on her and i'm like yo don't be touching my leg i know she literally buckles it on her thigh and i'm like excuse me right also i cannot imagine this seven buckled garter belt yeah i don't really know how that works i assume six of those buckles are decorative (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, there's seven because it's a good number. Right. But yeah, so she wanders into the house and she goes up 
and John is like, heck yeah, so glad you're here. You're my daughter and you brought your coven and I see you've got the master tools and oh yeah, phase with me. Ah, yes, my two queens, you shall rule. And Cassie's like, and you'll rule us? And he's super gross about it where he's like, it's good for a woman to know when it is, you know, her place to be ruled by a man. And I'm like, you're her dad. <laughs> yeah, he's the dad and he's Faye's lover, which are, you know, the two guy things. Right? Like, I can only be your father or your lover. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, mm-hmm, gross, gross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, I really like to just assume that he has not fucked Faye. No, but... I don't think so. So yeah, so Cassie's like, wait, we were told that the power is in us, blah, blah, blah. And so she tries to back him down. And then suddenly the rest of the coven's there and they're all talking about the things that they are special with. And they're like, by my particular power, I bind thee. By my particular power, I bind thee or I have power (laughs) over you. And then finally Faye stands up and is like, by my three particular powers, I bind thee. (laughs) And Cassie is like, shit. Fire didn't work when we killed him in 76, and water didn't kill him when we killed him in 1600s. We have to bind him by air and earth. Let's go. And she literally shoves his soul into the whole fucking beach because at one point... No, no, no. um, What? I had to reread that a couple of times, but in her first meeting with him, when he calls her up to his fucking principal's office, he uses his crystal skull to shatter her smaller amethyst. Oh, that's what she's doing. She's using She's using the beach to shatter the crystal skull. Okay, okay. That makes more sense. That was one of the things where I was like, okay, I now understand why you had that scene, even if it still feels kind of useless. Yeah. All right, so she draws on the power of the beach to crack the crystal skull, and she does, and it shatters, and all I can imagine is, like, flesh chunks flying everywhere. I know, right? Fleshy chunks and also shards. Right? Like, she doesn't describe that, but come on, I know she's thinking it. So they did it, and everybody's happy, and they're like, we need to use our power for good because we have the master tools, and I'm like, I hate you children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the final most horrible thing... <laughs> is and we didn't even need this i like we didn't fucking need this romance plot at all if we had just removed the whole silver cord thing so as mentioned the silver cord is a real thing and it shows that you're soulmates and you can never be with anybody else but this person and diana and was it mel melanie melanie talked about it and they were like Oh shit, it's a real thing and we can't keep them apart. Okay, that's your boyfriend of, like, forever. Remember, you don't even see anybody else. So, like, you're really chill about this, Diana. Diana's like, Cassie, go. Go dig up the chest box. (laughs) And she digs it up and it's the fucking stone that she had given to Adam and Adam had given to Cassie. And then Cassie gave back to Adam and Adam gave back to Diana. And she's like, wait, no, what does this mean? And Diana's basically, like, giving Cassie permission to have Adam, but for so much of the scene, it's just Diana being like, no, you need him, you deserve him, I can't stand between two love, and, like, Adam only steps in to be like, Diana, but I'll always, and Diana's like, no, I'll always love you too, I know. I was like, this is so stupid. I love it that she gift wraps Adam and hands him to Cassie in a box. And she's like, you asked me at the beginning of this book to give you a chance to prove your loyalty and your trust. And that's why I made that trust box. 
And so because I didn't open a box, I've proven that I'm, like, worthy to take over your boyfriend. It's not just that. It's the explanation for why Diana didn't let Cassie and Adam get together immediately, even though she knew that they were soulmates. You're supposed to take it on its face that this was something that Diana was doing for Adam and Cassie so that they could absolve themselves of their guilt and prove that they could not fuck around with each other. Right. And it's like, I think they already did prove that but whatever right but also then you have to be like oh no diana just like she let nick and cassie be a thing even though that was never going to work out yeah and and she did say like because cassie was really surprised when diana was like what why are you dating nick i was like well what do you think diana like she doesn't have to pine after adam for the rest of her fucking existence like Right? It's Diana making some really kind of cruel choices for about a month. But in the end, you're supposed to be like, no, I was doing it for you. And it's like, that makes Diana less interesting, LJ. Yeah. It was awful. I did not like it. It made me want to completely just eject the whole plot more than I already did. Like, I get that that's what LJ Smith writes. Like, she writes romance. But this wasn't even a fucking romance. This was just a good... Not good, but like it was just straight up mostly a thriller. And then tacked onto it was Everybody Loves Cassie. <laughs> but Adam more than everybody. Everybody Loves Cassie was the spice that was thrown onto this extremely drawn out story. <laughs> onto my dry bread. <laughs> but it was a fun spice. And I mean, it, again, it's 1992 and it was never going to happen. But the alternate ending where it's just a big polyamorous coven. <laughs> right? Which is what it seems like it would have been. It's much more satisfying because like there are a bunch of scenes where Cassie has to like tell people stuff or Cassie has to be defended. And Deborah mm-hmm. always gets the first oh my line. God, yes. Deborah. Uh, Deborah is the best, and I really, like, we knew it was never gonna happen, but if anyone deserves Cassie, deserves to be with Cassie, it's fucking Deborah and Diana. Yes. I just love that every single time Deborah was like, no, we gotta protect Cassie, or no, that's stupid, you know, yeah. I still like Cassie. Like, it's always Deb with the first line, and it's always Nick moving in to, like, physically show his support. Yeah, because he doesn't, he's not a big talker. Right. I continued to love Deb. She was the the silver lining of this terrible fucking book. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime she showed up, I was happy. Honestly, anytime Nick was there, I was happy too, even though for a lot of it, he was relegated to the strong, silent type. Yeah. Being like, here's my one sentence. I'm going to say it again because nobody (laughs) heard me. (laughs) Right. I like Nick a lot more in this read than I have in past reads. Oh, that's good. He's more interesting a character than fucking Adam. Yeah, right? Like, so in the in the last scene, like, Adam's joyful because they've defeated Black Adam, and Cassie makes a comment about, oh, right, I forgot that him being, like, gloomy wasn't his natural state of being. Mm-hmm. And it makes me upset that he was relegated to this broody, vampy-type dude for most of the three books, because I really liked Adam when we first met him. Mm-hmm. He seemed fun. He seemed a little pan-like, you know, like I could see him as uh, her and the stag god. He had a good playfulness about him and instead he just got relegated to like grump, grump, grump. Fight against uh, Nick because why not? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you could have found a way to make him still be Adam. I think Adam's interesting because Adam is, well, no. Up until this point, Adam is the most against type romantic interest that LJ has written. 
Mm-hmm. And I want to like him because he's not one of the Salvatore brothers, but <laughs> there's just nothing to him. I don't think she knows how to give those kinds of characters their due. Like I said, we saw him in the beginning and he was fun and he could have just stayed that way instead of being like kind of dick swaggery. Mm-hmm. Well, especially with Nick. And I hated that. There was no need. The- I wish the two of them liked each other. Yeah, the- it's just that those are the only interactions that he got to have with Cassie was being jealous. Yeah, and that was just, having the silver cord, having the soulmates thing, took away a lot of his autonomy. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that meant he didn't have character, he just had, I'm your soulmate. Right, he was just a a role. Yeah, it was, it didn't do him any service. No. Nick got more scenes. Yeah, because he actually got to date Cassie. (laughs) Right? All right, and that's the book, and that, there, it ends there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I want to talk about the theme. So, if we could rewind a little bit, just rewind. go back. Rewind. <laughs> um, so, Black John is a principal. Yes. They go to school. They oh have an God, assembly. This is going to be about, and yes. Yes. So, this is where I took furious notes. This is where I wanted to take notes, but I was like, I will not forget this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nor forgive it. Uh, Black John goes up there and he's like, hello, I am your new principal. And I am going to make some new school rules that everybody is going to have to follow. There's going to be some changes here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so he lays down like a list of infractions and infractions will get you sent to the principal's office. Dun dun. And they're all completely reasonable rules to have in a school. They really fucking are, honestly. Genuinely, every single one. Minus the minus the dress code, which could be, like, interpreted in whatever way. Most of them are pretty fucking normal rules that, like, I remember having in school. Right, exactly. It's two super fucking normal rules. The circle flips their shit. Oh my god. Is it, so is this when you messaged me being, like, these entitled privilege bullshit? Yes. I was so furious at every single one of them. Because the dynamic that LG has set up is that these kids have ruled the school and their families have ruled this island for hundreds of years. The lower class kids don't like them and they don't like them because they've been shitbags. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've been absolutely awful. Faye regularly just takes boys. Suzanne regularly just takes boys. They do yeah. their magical roofie party every so often. <sighs> Uh, there was a moment where Cassie was like, oh my god, and I played Pizza Man with Faye. And I'm like, you didn't want to. But she didn't stop it. Mm-hmm. The Henderson brothers will regularly, like, sexually assault girls. They force people to go to dances with them. Like, these kids have terrorized the school for years. Mm-hmm. They're the bad guys here. And so the principal rolls in with these completely reasonable rules that every school has, and instantly they are calling them Nazis. I know. Where, like, their hands are up because he's like, who wants to be a hall monitor? And Cassie looks around and the line is something like, it looked like a room full of Nazi salutes. And I'm like, you do not get to say that. No. And the thing (laughs) is, these are the oppressed kids. This is like, uh, you've watched Korra? Yes. Okay, so for anyone who hasn't watched Korra, like, it's not even really a spoiler, but the people who have bending abilities versus the people who don't have bending abilities. If you want to convince me that the benders are oppressed just because there are fewer of them, that is not the case. It's like, no, this is genuinely like an eat the rich moment, like 100%. And the rich are flipping shit. 
Right. Like, just because there are fewer of them doesn't mean that they're oppressed. Like, they have more power. Literally power. It would be one thing if this was just the kids feeling persecuted because, of course, you're privileged little shits. You're going to feel like anything you can't do anymore is oppression. Yeah. But... The narrative is clear here. Like, we're supposed to feel like they're being picked on. Uh, there's lines about how Black John is intentionally doing this to whip up anti-witch sentiment. Yeah, there was a comment, too, about, oh, maybe he did this back in Salem. Uh, I did. I highlighted that. And my note was, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Black John is doing this. He's using these, like, lower class kids to place a threat for these kids so that they don't feel safe. And it's so bullshit. Like, I hate the way this whole thing is framed. I hate that this undercurrent of, like, classism, like, this is the way that it's being paid off to make these kids look like they're bad for wanting the (laughs) shitty witch kids to abide by some fucking rules. Right? Like... I'm sorry, they just want fairness. Granted, they immediately, the outsider kids who've grown up on this fucking island and so have their parents and their grandparents and etc. Just want everyone to be held to the same fucking standards. Like, Mm -hmm. that is not that hard to to want. And while the kids do immediately go to, oh, no, 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 that's an infraction. You have to go to the principal. Like, no one's told them how not to do this. Plus, also, if it's an infraction, it's an infraction. Right. Also, you're getting sent to the principal's office, which is an ominous statement for the witch kids because they know who the principal is. But otherwise, like it's not like you're getting disappeared. It means nothing. Oh, no, you got sent to the principal's office. That's going on your permanent record. (laughs) No, it doesn't. I've been sent to the principal's office. Who fucking cares? (laughs) It's just so it's so frustrating i hate how the circle kids react to it i hate that it's a minor plot point i hate that this is i don't know what lj's doing with this yeah but it comes up again too oh yeah so the literally the only time that the disparity of these kids have treated these normal human kids like shit for years comes up is when Cassie is kidnapped and one of the normal kids is there and the witch hunters don't count because they're literally just witch hunters. They've never lived here before. They are excluded from this weird dynamic. Ka- is this girl whose boyfriend died because of these witches, BT does. Yeah, Sally. Jeffrey was the boyfriend who got hung. Yes. So Sally is talking to Cassie and Cassie's like, no, no, we're good. We're witches. We may be witches, but we're just like you. And Sally's yeah. like, um, I'm sorry. Did Faye not try to steal my boyfriend? Did those right. other kids not terrorize us on a regular basis? Like, what about <laughs> Before them? Before you got here, life was hell. Right. Just, yeah, yeah, you, Cassie, who have been here for six weeks. Yeah. And Cassie's like, well... There's good in Faye, too. I'm like, Cassie, she's Ooh. literally a rapist. Right? When Cassie. she said that line, I was like, you are spouting propaganda that Diana has told you from book one. Yeah, right, right, right. Because Faye has never done anything good for Cassie. Right? All she has done is be awful to her. Like, this is not a moment to be like, well, you just don't know her. You know her. You know she has done nothing good. And instead, you could be like, well, Sally, you're right. Faye is pretty awful and she needs a lot of fucking help. And yeah, Sally, you're right. Maybe we should have fucking stepped in and tried to rein Faye in. Yeah, that would have been the thing that we could do that you could not. 
it's our responsibility to police our own. Right. And instead, this whole scene just sort of devolves into Cassie being like, well, violence isn't the answer. This isn't the way How to solve nice this. How nice you. And the, the ultimate, like, message thing that comes out of that is Cassie being like, oh, these kids, the witch hunter kids, like these kids just hate us. And there's nothing that we can do to change that. They just hate us. And this cycle is going to keep going. And it's like, what? Like, what are you doing? What is this thing that you're trying to insert here? Are you really trying to use like these shitty witch kids to talk about cycles of violence? Like, what the fuck? Right, like, I I never know what she's trying to say, but she's definitely trying to be like, the regular humans are oppressing the witches. For sure. Yeah, I mean, as we've discussed in the past two ones, she keeps hitting on these really big topics that she is not prepared to handle. Yeah, I just don't understand. I can understand if you're using it as a plot device, but she's not. Like, she keeps coming back to it. It's like, why? Why is this flavor? Why is this a thing? So, like, this thread resolves itself by the normal girl believing Cassie and working with her and they give them a tip off to get off the island before they have their confrontation with Black John. And then at the very end, there's a token line like, well, we should start doing things to improve relations with the outsiders. And I'm like, thoughts and prayers, Cassie. Like, (laughs) I love what was Laurel's first reaction at that point was like, we should work on the environment. I'm like, oh, you're one of those vegans. (laughs) really is it's the most useless thoughtless line and i don't accept that as your resolution i don't i do not for a minute believe that these kids change their ways and the new salem ends up a fucking utopia for witches and outsiders no because they enshrine Faye with her power even after everything she's done she literally becomes one third of the power base yeah like she gets to be a part of the triumvirate of leaders like that is you have rewarded her terrible behavior 100% she literally spent most of this book trying to sell you guys out what are you doing yeah no but this is just lj's bullshit like women power and it doesn't matter how the women act as long as the women are in charge there are so many women in this coven any other one of them could have taken face spot yeah i i don't know like i'm all here for villain redemption but you need to like redeem her yeah like i need more Like, thank you for bringing your power to say, oh, yeah, also, John, fuck it. Clearly, you're the losing side now. (laughs) So I feel like LJ was trying to do a patriarchy thing with Black John with this whole, like, women should know their place. But Faye didn't turn to him then and be like, excuse me, what? Right, right. Like, her her nail polish was mauve, mauve, I don't know how to say it. Mm -hmm. Instead of scarlet. And, like, that was, like, indicative of him muting her. Like, right. That's oppression, I guess. <laughs> and she's like, I understand oppression now. I definitely will not be stealing girls' boyfriends. Except she's definitely going to still do that. Yeah. No, she does. De- because her, like, what should we use our power for? I know a couple people I'd like to hex. Who? Right? Who on this island, Faye? Who on this island who's still alive? The witch hunters, maybe, I guess? Maybe, but you should say that. I know a couple witch hunters I'd like to hex. Thanks. Right, sure. Instead, it just makes her sound petty, like she always Sounds was. Sounds like she hasn't grown right. since book one. 100%. It's just some, some bullshit that was uncritically passed through this book, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. The second thing that I, that I feel like LJ sort of sprung on me personally, 
the theme of this book, there's nothing scary in the dark as long as you face it. <laughs> Which is, it's, it's a line that's it's repeated over and over again because that's how LJ communicates themes to you. But the confession scene at the very beginning of the book where they tell Diana about what happened. And then Diana is just like, okay, cool. I'm okay with it. Let's move on. And yeah. at first I was like, well, I mean, they had an adult conversation about it, which is what I wanted for the past two books. But that feels kind of anticlimactic, right? Like, it's just explodes in the first couple chapters and then nothing happens. Then I read that line. I was like, oh, no, the whole point was that if they had just had this conversation to begin with, if they had just faced the dark, they would have seen that there was nothing scary in it. And I was like, okay, LJ, fine. <laughs> fine we're on the same page on this one <laughs> so i just want to point that out and i wanted to say she got us yeah yeah she played us she played us <laughs> that was her theme all along just talk children her theme she all says. along was just communicate just fucking talk <laughs> to each other except that you waited too long and you made that your theme and it actually wasn't <laughs> it, it was, was the just, theme of just, this book, sort of. Yeah. You just slapped it on there being like, you know, if you all just talked, I wouldn't have to write this. <laughs> I hated this book so much. It was so boring. Every chapter was a fucking slog. There was never a point where I was like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I'm like, I know what's going to happen. Somehow <laughs> she's still going to end up with Adam. They're going <laughs> to defeat Black John. No one's going to get hurt. I didn't expect Faye to get a slapped on... Not even redemption, just, like, absolvement? Yeah. Is that the word? She was just like, I forgive you, we've washed you of your sins. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't expect that. I expected either for her to have a real redemption, mm -hmm. or to not be part of the coven. Like, instead, that was just slapped on there. So I'm just like, alright, but I know where we're headed with this, and I don't know how... Like, up to the moment where Diana literally fucking hands over the goddamn leash <laughs> to Cassie for Adam, I'm like, I've got less than half a chapter left. <laughs> How are those two getting together? The answer is they just say that they do. Yeah, they just say it. And they're like, go out and kiss. Oh, God, like, yeah, where ridiculous. Diana's like, kiss him. Kiss him, Cassie. I want to see like, you She's like, I need it. this to be over. I need to watch you kiss him so that I can go cry later. <laughs> go cry like you pointed out they spend cassie and diana spend the entire fucking book sleeping in the same bed together they do there's a line where they talk about how much they literally love each other like there's so much gay in this thing i stopped making notes of it because it's all gay it's just super gay also that last minute little addition that Faye and diana are half of the same soul gross why is it why is it there yeah there's absolutely like also because it the other thing that it did to me were um so she was having those dreams about like Kate but Kate looked like half Diana and half Faye mm -hmm. where she's like well I guess it makes sense because there's shared ancestor and the two of them are definitely cousins related I'm like you're all fucking related <laughs> right you're all interrelated since the 1600s maybe you have different ancestors before that but definitely for the past 400 years you are all interrelated mm -hmm. and it would have been so much better to be like yeah, this one extended family lives up on Crowhaven Road and not have any of this fucking romance that was unnecessary. Ah, good times. Yep. Okay, so let's talk bonus material. <laughs> Please do. Uh, I mentioned at the start of this enterprise that L.J. Smith had a sequel 
that, mm-hmm. well, she has sequels for literally everything she's ever written, but she had a sequel that she was writing for Secret Circle. And that sequel was a novella that she was originally going to post on her website. And then it was just getting too big, you guys. Yeah, you mentioned that. So she was going to expand it into a fuller story. So as far as I can tell, she never actually posted it, but she did post a, not synopsis, a... Like a blurb? Yeah, she posted a blurb. Okay, that's more than, than I had realized. Yeah, so... The novella was titled Deep Waters, and Ollie, you're going to be so thrilled when you find out what it's about. (laughs) God, oh God. And I quote, the plot is not really about Cassie and Nick falling in love. It's about Cassie going into the underworld to pull Nick out of a coma. However, Nick misunderstands her intentions and believes that she has parted with Adam to be with him. Cassie ought to be able to simply explain to him, but Nick is now blind and says she is the only thing he cares about in life. Meanwhile, Black John has been revived in a new crystal skull and wants revenge on the entire Crowhaven Street gang. (laughs) Why does (laughs) does Black John have to come back? Like, okay, at least LJ, for book four of Vampire Diaries, it wasn't the same fucking, like, it wasn't just Catherine again, Mm -hmm. much as I love her, our patron saint. (laughs) Like, it was the fucking Julian 1.0. Why does Black John have to come back? Can't there be other shit that they get to deal with? Why does Nick have to be like, oh my goodness, Cassie, clearly you've parted ways with Adam. No, if the theme was just fucking talk to each other, you've clearly forgotten everything. I'm so (laughs) glad she didn't write this. Because also I love going like, clearly that is such a fun little um, Orpheus and Euripides. uh, Eurydice. Eurydice. There we go. Like Euripides is a philosopher. (laughs) (laughs) It's just an Orpheus myth, but with a with a gal as the Orpheus role, so that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> but Nick, but poor but Nick. Nick, poor Nick. Nick is her mat punching bag for this series. It's very Why? sad. I love him. He's so good. <sighs> so that was a novella that never happened. Let us all be grateful. Clap, 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 clap. Yay! I'm so glad it never existed. Um, second bonus material that I wanted to talk about. Yes. I don't know if we talked about it, but I always thought, like, this is so gay. There's got to be great fanfic, right? Like, there's yeah, got to be yeah. great gay, polyamorous, fix it. Deb and Cassie and Diana and Cassie. Just something. So I browsed AO3. Most of the fanfic is TV show related, which is a bummer. <laughs> but there was one that I found that I thought did a pretty good job fixing it. It's called Triangle. It's by Follows Rabbit on AO3. We will have the link for you. Okay. It is basically book three told through like little scenes from Diana's point of view. Mm. But it's Diana coming to terms with the fact that she has feelings for both Adam and Cassie. Yes. Yes. I know, right? I was very excited when I read it. So it really fleshes out Diana. It gives her more like impure motivations in terms of like, yeah, the reason that she doesn't tell Adam and Cassie is because she's punishing them because she's mad at them. Like it gives her some agency and makes her like not this purity. Oh, no, I love everybody kind of thing. Um, And the alternate ending is that instead of going to kiss Adam Cassie turns to Diana and says, okay, this is great, but also I love you. So I heartily endorse that. It was a very good read. It was very interesting. Uh, And you can find it on AO3. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, we're definitely going to link that. Yes, I will. The last thing I wanted to do 
We have been talking about this extremely frustratingly heterosexual monogamous series and how annoying that is. And I wanted to spotlight some witch books that are actually queer. Yeah. Queer witch YA has actually been kind of having a boom lately. Like, oh, excellent. I, I was actually able to find like a pretty decent list of books that feature queer teen witches. So, what you got? The first one is a book called When We Were Magic by Sarah Gailey. It's about queer teen witches who get involved in some sort of murder. Mm. The second book is called Scapegracers by Hannah Abigail Clark. That has a lesbian protagonist who forms a coven with the school Mean Girls. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Uh, there's, of course, Labyrinth Lost by Zoraida Cordova, which, mm-hmm. uh, as a bi-Latina witch, mm-hmm. um, there is These Witches Don't Burn slash This Coven Won't Break by Isabel Sterling. That is about a queer lich. A queer lich. Oh, nice. That would be excellent, right? It would be good. <laughs> she <laughs> is a witch who lives in Salem who has to work with her ex to defeat an evil blood witch. Mm. There's The Lost Coast by Amy Rose Capetta, which is about a group of queer witches. It seems more like a literary found family kind of thing. Okay. One review I read called it The Raven Cycle, but sapphic, and <laughs> bonus points <laughs> that it's not written by fucking Maggie Stiefeiter, so. Yep. Uh, there is Witches of Ash and Ruin by E. Latimer, which is about a bi-witch who teams up with a girl from a rival coven to track down a witch-hunting serial killer. Oh my. Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. Heard of this one. Yes, this is about a trans Latinx witch who accidentally summons a sexy ghost trying to prove that he is a brujo. There's the graphic novel Spell on Wheels by Kate Leth, Megan Levins, and Marissa Louise. It's a very good title. Is a comic about queer 20-something witches Uh on a road trip. Nice, nice. Uh, Mooncakes, another graphic novel by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Shu. I think, I'm sorry, it's a really fluffy witch story about a queer lady witch dating a non-binary werewolf. Aww. And it's very, it's one of those, like, soft types. That's really cute. Finally, there is Deadline, which is the first in the Henrietta Lee series by Stephanie Ahn. This one is adult, but it is a kinky lesbian witch detective story. So. Yeah, I'd read that. There are lots of queer witch books out there that you should be reading instead of Secret Circle. (laughs) Thank freaking fuck that they exist because it just makes no sense for it not to be. Right. I know. There are so many of these books that are frustratingly not gay. So I'm glad that we're (laughs) at a point where the books can themselves actually be gay. Right. Because this was published almost 30 years ago. Wow, man. When you put it like that. Right? Like, this was 92, as you said, and it is 2020. Now we can have it happen. Except that you and I know that L.J. Smith does not believe in the bisexuals or the gays. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't know. They just don't show up in her books. Mm-hmm. I don't know her personally. I just know she doesn't write about queer people. Yeah, the fact that she just, not at all. <laughs> I mean, and again, we haven't read the newer Vampire Diaries books. Who knows? Oh, okay. Well, then we'll see. We will see. But yeah, there's good stuff out there that you could be reading instead of this. Because in our uh, question that we always ask, would you recommend this? My answer is a great big fat no. Yeah. I didn't want to finish this book. I only finished it for, for you folks. It's true. We did it so that you don't have to. Right? 
I want to read other stuff. <laughs> yes, thankfully we're going to. And I think we can, so we can talk probably about what we're doing for our next episode because it's not revealing our next season. This is true. And we also should talk about the thing that we're doing for anniversary. Okay, so here we are. And it should be September right now for yes. everyone. Mm-hmm. And next month uh, for our October episode, we're going to read a Halloween book. And it's going to be Christopher Pike's Last Vampire. Yay! Clap, 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 clap. I have only read the first one and I think the third one, but I only read the third one once. Mm -hmm. And I remember enjoying the first one, but even when I first read it, knowing there was some weird shit about it. And then years later, you read it and you're like, God, this is so fucking racist. It's very weird. Very weird. But it should be fun. And we wanted to do something for Halloween because Senna and I both love Halloween. Yeah, we want to do a spook spook, and our next season is maybe not necessarily spooky, so. And then that leads us to November, which is our two-year anniversary. It is. So for November, we're going to do two things. Uh, At some point in November, we haven't figured out the exact date yet, but we will let you know. Follow our Twitter, and we'll probably do a Patreon post. Um, We are going to be doing a watch-along of the Blood and Chocolate (laughs) adaptation. So bad. Which is notoriously bad. People who don't even know slash like blend chocolate know it's a bad adaptation. Yeah. Uh, that'll be fun. Currently, it's free on YouTube. So hopefully in November, it will still be. And there hopefully. will be literally no barrier to entry to participate in this. Um, so yeah, we're going to be watching it. We're going to be tweeting about it. And we're also going to be revisiting the Blood and Chocolate book. Mm-hmm. Remember season one when I <laughs> fucked up? Mea culpa. <laughs> we we done a fuck up. We haven't done it since, thankfully. Yeah. But it's been two years. We feel like we can go back to it and not feel like we're rereading it immediately. Yeah. Right. We're not groundhog daying it. <laughs> I think we've also have different opinions, like not totally different opinions, but like there's some stuff that it will be really interesting, even from the episode we f- we recorded. Sure, because we had done one a couple of years before that and our opinions completely changed. So yeah. it'll be fun to see uh, how we feel about it now. But yeah, so we are going to be doing that one as our anniversary episode. It will also be on the main feed. Uh, yes. So hopefully you guys will enjoy. Yeah. And then in December, well, in November, I'm sure maybe even October, we'll announce what our next season is and mm-hmm. we'll move on to season six starting in December. Yeah. So what will it be? We'll find out. We already know. <laughs> we know. But there will be lots of fun stuff coming up in the next few months. So I hope you guys enjoy. And, you know, if you ever want to talk to us about any of this, you can come talk to us on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is good. I'm over there. Uh, it's not spelled the way you think it is, but I'm uh, Olivier Hennis, and I'll, I'll put that down in the description. And mm-hmm. you can find us at Backlist Podcast, where Cine is the one who controls that one. But Yes, but we both see it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill. We were chatting about maybe doing some more Patreon exclusive stuff, so we'll see. Thank you guys to all of our patrons, which we don't say enough. Thank you for supporting us and just hanging out with us, you know? It's a weird, rough time, and uh, I hope everyone's doing okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Backlist and Chill. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.